True pleasure is never found in earthly treasure. True pleasure is never found in earthly treasure. I need to debunk a rumor about my wife. The rumor is that she had lip collagen surgery. She didn't. She didn't. She was bit in the face by a dog. I know. It sounds a lot worse than what it is. But we were at some friend's house a few nights ago. And you got to know this about Stephanie. She's like, she thinks she is Snow White to the animal kingdom. Every dog, cat, bird creature is going to love her. So she'll get in their space and she touched this little dog. It's always the little tiny dogs you got to watch out for, right? And she touched the wrong spot and that dog got her. And here's the other thing about Stephanie is that she does not like shots. She does not like going to the ER and she would rather have a scar on her face than a shot. How many of you can relate to that? I knew she wouldn't be alone, but uh, we told her, we're like, we got to go in. I mean, it's bleeding. And then we took video and we sent it to a doctor friend and it cut her from her nose down into her lip and, and it was opening up. And then we were like, we got to go, we got to go in. She was like, nope, I'm not going in. This is what she said. She said, it's just an earthly body. I mean, it was an excuse for not wanting to go in, but it's interesting. She said, it's just an earthly body. It didn't work. We still went in. She got one stitch, one stitch. And now she's doing better. She's going to recover. She's just fine. Nothing can touch her beauty, right? Inside and out. But I, I, I share this story because, you know, something like this, your wife gets bit in the face by a dog. You got to use this sermon illustration. But <laughs> she gave me her blessing. But here's what I want us to remember. It's just an earthly body. What if we had this perspective? Not just our own bodies, that we're only here for a temporal, only here for a season, right? But everything that we have, everything on the earth, if we could have a eternal perspective, a right perspective, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. I'm so excited that you're here for our series called Up on a Mountain. Jesus saw a big crowd. He was moved with compassion. He, he gathers them, and then he, gives the, he preaches the greatest sermon ever told. It's the manifesto to the kingdom of God. Because he, he senses the tension of, of everyone's viewpoints. Of, it's a worldview. And he wants to change the view to a heavenly view. He doesn't want us to have an earthly perspective. He wants us to have a heavenly perspective. And so he, he's shaking things up. And he's going after what, what has captured the hearts of his audience. And, and many were discouraged and they were broken. And there was a reason why. It's because their eyes were focused on the wrong thing. And this was a time and a season where Roman currency was the most valuable asset. And he began to push and challenge that it, there's something more valuable than that. Again, remember that people would come to Jesus and, and with coins and they say, well, who does this belong to? Remember Jesus's response? He said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. So he was, he was always responding to these questions. So it's under the, in that context that we're going to read scripture in Matthew 6, starting at verse 19. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures where? On earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, don't lay up for your tre yourself treasures on earth. I mean, it's only going to last for a little bit. How many of you have ever moved? Sorry to even bring up some bad vibes for you in church on Sunday morning. But, but recently we sold our house and we're, we're downsizing. Our daughters are off to college. And so we're shrinking it bit by six 
100 feet. And if you've ever moved, you know the dreaded moment when you walk into the attic and you know you got to take action, right? And we looked at all of this stuff that we kept for a reason. It was valuable. 25 years worth of stuff that was moved up to the attic. And you know what we did with that stuff? We gave 10% away and we threw 90% into a dumpster. We didn't keep any of it. It, it, it was a reality check for us. We were like, we don't have room for all this stuff. And so what we thought was important ended up just being junk. And Jesus saying, don't store up treasure on earth where moths will eat and rust will destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. But he says, lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven. He's, like, he's talking about invest into the kingdom of God. Invest on what will last eternally, not for a season, all right? So where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is what we got to really lean in and to listen. These words are in bold. For where your treasure is, there your what? Your heart will be also. The Lord is after your heart. He's after your heart. And so he's challenging a, a world perspective that says, man, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. That's not bad in of itself. It's the root of the money that leads to evil, right? So the solution isn't even in money. The, the solution is Jesus. It's having the right perspective. Having a heaven, kingdom-minded perspective starts with where you look. And, 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 and so he's, he's, he's saying, focus on your heart because it's not the money. It's not the seed. It's your, it's your heart. You're having a scarcity mentality. That's why you're worrying. Remember, this is in a passage of scripture where Jesus says, don't worry. We worry because we always think we don't have enough. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. And so we worry. And Jesus says, in this passage of scripture, he says, hey, if I take care of the, the lilies in the fields and the birds in the air, don't you know your heavenly father's going to take care of you? Like the earth belongs to the Lord, right? And those that dwell there and everything belongs to the Lord. So don't worry. I've got it. I'm, I'm going to provide. But we worry. We worry. Why? Because we have a scarcity mentality instead of an abundance mentality. But if we can understand that God, our creator, has it all, we'll never be in need. And so it's with that in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. He's saying you can't do it. You're going to have to make a decision. Your heart, your, ten, your time, your attention cannot go to, to money and to God. Make a choice. You can't do, your, your, your heart can't be divided. It can't be divided. It's, it's got to be fully devoted. And so if, if you're tempted to say, man, if I just have more money, if I have a bigger car, a bigger, better house, more stuff, then I'll be happy. Then you're never truly going to be content. And the Lord is saying, make a decision, but you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. He desires for us to be generous because he's generous. We're created in his image. Is he not the most generous? What did he give? He loved and he gave his one and only son. He gave his very best to us. He gave, think about it, creation. I mean, everything that we have on earth is because he created it. But how often are we tempted to worship the creation rather than the creator? And it's all about the heart. It's not like, again, it's, it's where your treasure is, there your heart is. A lot of times we get it backwards. We think, well, whatever we're passionate about, whatever we're moved emotionally, we have strong feelings. That's what we'll give our time and attention and treasure to. But Jesus says, hey, no, take inventory. 
Show me your credit card statement. Show me your bank statement. Show me where you're giving your time and your attention because that's what you really worship. That's where your treasure is. And he's challenging. He's challenging us because he doesn't want us to worry. And this is something that, man, Jesus taught often. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of six verses talk about money and the person. Out of the 29 parables, 16 have to talk talk about money. Why did Jesus talk so much about money and financial stewardship? It's because he knew how much we would struggle with it. Because we approach him with a tight grip and the the heart can be greed and it it can be scarcity. And the Lord is saying, I'm not first. And if Jesus isn't first, he's not Lord of your life in every area of your life. And so he's after your heart. You remember the last time you went to go see a doctor for just an annual checkup, or maybe, maybe you knew something was maybe wrong and, and, and you had to go see the doctor and the doctor began to push and prod and push on some areas. And, and if it hurt, it was usually because of two reasons, right? It was either because he pushed too hard or, or something was wrong. And if something was wrong, he would say, hey, I got to run more tests. And here's the reality. As we approach God's word and as we read passages and we listen to Jesus's words about financial stewardship, there's going to be certain people who cry out in discomfort, okay, regarding the message or even the messenger. And, and, and we say, it hurts, it hurts. And it's either because Jesus pushes too hard or something is wrong. And if something's wrong, my friend, the good news is that our great physician wants to do a little bit of heart surgery. It's time for him to do a work in your heart. He cares about your heart. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. I want us to read and focus on the greatest parable. It's the only parable that's recorded in every single gospel. In the context, Jesus is teaching a crowd. He's not on a mountain, but he's on a lake. The crowd is so big that Jesus gets into a boat to help with illuminating and amplifying the sound of his voice. And he he teaches them in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 18. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, let me pause and give context of this parable for us today. This parable is all about the sower. It's about our heart, all right? And so anytime there's a seed, that seed is a kingdom principle. So in context, it's laying up treasure in heaven, not here on earth. So that kingdom principle, that's the the word of the kingdom that I want us to give context to. He says, if anyone hears this, this kingdom principle, this word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his where? In his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of what? Of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. 
So our focus is the soil of the heart. And I would ask you, what is the condition of the soil in your heart? And that's the Holy Spirit. I'm honest. I'm open, Lord. Would you reveal to me right now through your word and in our time together, what is the condition of my heart? Because as I talk to you and explain and illustrate these four different soils of the heart, you're going to relate to one. And whatever that is, you just respond to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Lord wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be blessed, but he cares about your heart. Let's not focus on the money. Let's not focus on the stuff. Let's focus on the heart. So any kind of seed, the first soil of the heart, it talks about how seed was was cast and it fell on the wayside and there was a bird that snatched the seed and then it was gone. And the the bird is symbolized as the enemy, the devil, right? And some of us are like that. It's like the seed that is planted, it's as gone as as fast as it was invested, right? It's like you're on social media and you see a Facebook ad and bam, you spend the money. It's got the soil of your heart is vacant. There's nothing there to keep the seed. And so you are an impulse giver. There's no depth. And so maybe the, the soul of your heart is greed. You can't, instead of being wise with financial stewardship and, and, and saying, God, you've given me everything. And so I want to return first what belongs to you. I want to save and then I'll spend, but I want to do it wisely. Instead, we're like, man, whatever catches your eye. You're an imp- it's like you don't even think about it. You are a, a consumer rather than contributor. And it's because the soil of your heart is vacant and there's an emptiness there. And God wants to fill you. He loves you, but he wants to fill you with his presence and wisdom and the principles of the kingdom of God. As you apply them, you're going to have better soil. Right now, the priority needs to be spending time with the Lord and his presence, abiding with the Lord, being in the word of God, praying, being in community with other believers that you can see this modeled and, and you can spend time. But the first, the first soil of the heart is vacant soil. The second is, is vulnerable soil. This is the seed that is planted, but there's not much dirt because it's rocky, right? And the rocky soil is, is, is symbolized by pressure, persecution, trials, tribulation, temptation. It's like when you receive the word and the word is planted and the seed is there for such a short time, there's excitement at first, but then it quickly goes away because there is no depth. There's no roots. And as a result, that the seed's never going to be able to grow healthy. It's never going to bear fruit. And some of you, this is, this is you. It's the vulnerable soil. It's like you can, you can see one post and, you, and you're taken out because there's no depth. And so you don't endure for the long term. There's no longevity in relationship. And this is why you will bounce from small group to small group or church to church because of the rocky soil of your heart. You're very vulnerable. You're vulnerable. It's not what the Lord wants for your heart. There's another soil that the Lord speaks of, and that's what kind of soil? Thorny soil, right? And what was the thorns? It was the cares of the world. It was the deceitfulness of riches, it was the things in the world that chokes out the, the word, the seed, what God wants to do and bless. And as a result, when seeds are, are tried to be are planted in, you can't get to it because of the thorns and it's painful. And, and, and as a result, there's wounds 
on the flesh of your small group leader or people in your life who have tried to minister to you, but because you've got vulnerable or violating soil, you, you will push back or you'll be defensive or you'll say something or you'll reject anything. And, and as a result, it's, it's very painful to get close to you. And it's because the condition of your, your, your soil is, is, is violating. But again, it's not about the, the seed. It's about the soil, about the heart. Because God wants you, again, to be fruitful. And you're only going to be fruitful if the soil is rich and there's depth. And that soil is you're spending time with the, with the Lord and with others. And you've got good relationships and a clean conscience before God and before other people. And there's a depth to you. And, there's a, and God can trust you. And as that seed is planted in your, in your life, it's, there's a fruit that the Lord wants to, to bear in you. that comes through time. And there's, and there's patience. The first command of scripture is be fruitful and multiply. And he wants to do that. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless you in your life as you grow. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your children, not just financially, but in, in so many ways. He wants to bless your small group. He wants to bless your influence in your life. Why? Because he wants you to be a blessing to others. And this is a kingdom. This is from the very beginning of time. Why did God call and want to bless Israel? It's in scripture. So they could be a blessing to others. And God wants to bless you, he wants, but he's only going to bless those he can really entrust, those who are obedient, those who are faithful. He will bless out of, hey, if you're going to obey me and you're going to be humble and you're going to trust me, I want to bless you. I want to bless you so you can be a blessing to others. I want you to be able to, to be ready to give to the widow, to give to the poor, to, to, to make a difference for the kingdom of God and build his kingdom of God. But it comes when there's a depth and there's a soil. And this is what the Lord wants for your heart. Some of you, you're resisting, you're not obeying God and you're having a, a tight grip on money and possessions and earthly treasure and your own body and there's, and, and there's no contentment and you're worrying and you're struggling. And even over the last year, there was a threat of so much being threatened and it's caused mental discouragement and anxiety and depression. And it's because you had an earthly perspective and you were putting so much emphasis on what happens temporarily. And God would allow these things to happen to, to truly see what is important. And he wants, he wants you to put him first. Put him first. And the tithe is the opportunity financially to do that. The tithe means it's 10%. 10%, it belongs to the Lord. So if, if, there's, if, you've, if you have a job and you made $100, how much of that belongs to God? All, some of you said all of it. All of it belongs to the Lord, right? But all he asked for is, hey, just bring back 10%. Just 10%. You trust me and obedient. And some of us need to realize that with God's blessing and favor on our 90%, it's better than 100% without God, right? But he's saying, hey, trust me. Bring back to the Lord this. And this is from the very beginning. This is, some of you say, well, that's the law. It happened before the law. The principle of the first. When Remember Adam and Eve? They had their two sons, Cain and Abel. And God said, bring the first to me. And Abel brought the very first of his flock, the best, and honored the Lord. But Cain brought the leftover fruit, and God was displeased. And there was a consequence to that. And even Abraham, when God entrusted him, he brought the tithe, the 10% to, to Melchizedek, to the priest. Even his son, and later Isaac, every generation. Remember Isaac at, at Bethel, a place of worship, he tithed back to the Lord. And in scripture, we see Joshua when he entered into the land that God was giving the Israelites. Remember the very first city, all the possessions in the treasure would be brought to the Lord, the first city. 
So the first fruits, the first of the flock, the first of the children, the first of the wealth, it belongs to the Lord. It's, a, it's, it's that God knows us and he's wired us in a way that this helps free our grip on greed, that we can trust the Lord to provide. It's a kingdom principle. And even Jesus says, when you tithe, but in the New Testament, it's like it's above and beyond the tithe. The 10% is just like, that's just where you get started. That's the, those are training wheels. And we see in the early church how they gave generously and selfishly above and beyond so that there was no need. And we saw a great spiritual awakening and a move of God because people, they say, God, I surrender all. Nothing is off limits. Not my stuff, not my life, not, the, not my talents that you've given me, not the treasure. It all belongs to you. I like that J.D. Rockefeller, an American businessman who is arguably the wealthiest American in modern history, said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. Until Jesus is first in your finances, he's not first. He's not first. You're a follower. You're not a follower, you're a user. And Judas was like that. So as we apply God's word in this area of our life, this is something I've only spoke on once in two years. I should teach more. Jesus taught more on it. But I want us to examine scriptures because if the Lord, if if we could surrender and make him first in this area of our life, he wants to be in desires and he is first over every area of our life from our words to our time. He's after our heart. Malachi chapter three, verse eight through 11 says, this is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. This is the only place in scripture where God says, test me, dare me, so to speak, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such, what? Blessing, that there will be not enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that they will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, tithing isn't for everybody. Tithing is only for those who think God is first. It's true, right? And God wants you to be blessed. Why? So you will grow and that you will bear fruit. He wants to bless your marriage so you can bless your children and bless other marriages around you. He wants to bless you financially so you can be a blessing to others and build up his kingdom so we can lay up treasures in heaven. That's his desire. That's his desire. But first, you got to check the soil of your heart. That's what he's after. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. If, the, if money is not bad in and of itself, it's the root that is evil. And just like the, the money is not the solution, the solution is Jesus. The solution is Jesus working in your heart and being able to trust you. That's the solution. But you got to see how valuable your heart is and the condition of your heart. This is why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It says, guard, protect your, your heart, put boundaries around your heart because it flows all the issues of life. 
Some of us are protecting the wrong thing. We get so focused on the money that we want to guard the money or guard the phone, right? Like, think about your phone. Some of you have passwords. You have face recognition. You you, you have watches that will constantly tell you where your your phone is, if it's misplaced. And and, and then when it is misplaced or lost, you know that feeling of a panic. And then you, you stop everything to try to find the phone, right? Imagine if we guarded our heart like we guarded our phones. That's what the Lord desires because it's out of the the heart flows all the issues of life. Did not Jesus say out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So if the condition of the heart is thorny, right? What's going to happen? You're going to violate others. There's going to be gossip. There's going to be deceit. There's going to be negative words. But if your heart is right, you're going to, words are going to flow out of you from the word of God and encouraging words, prophetic words, words that will bless. It's out of the heart that all the issues will flow. And this is what he desires. He desires to do a little heart surgery. If you're hard and you're on the path and you're obedient to the Lord, he wants to continue to bless and let this word be confirmation to you to continue to look for opportunities to be generous for the Lord, to lay up treasure in heaven. But if you're here today, and maybe this is a little bit uncomfortable, maybe the great physician is putting his finger on an area of your life because he wants to bring conviction to change, not condemnation, not just to make you feel bad, but he wants to lead you to change that you would see how important the kingdom of God is, how important your heart is. Father, we bow before you. You are king. You are Lord. Everything comes from you. And we are grateful to be in your presence to read your teachings and be reminded of how important it is to have the right perspective, to see our heart and see how important it is for us, Lord, to reflect your glory through decisions that we make with the early things that we're entrusted with, our bodies, our children, the talents, the treasure. And so even now, we just pause and we wait on you Wherever we're not stewarding well, would you bring conviction and lead us to change that we may obey you and honor you? We humble ourselves in your presence, Lord. We want to honor you. Help us, Father. Help us to be obedient. Maybe this is a time where the Lord is is shining an area in your life that if you're not honoring him, this is a, a time of repentance to turn from those things and to turn to God, to make a commitment to him. Would you do that even now? Would you stand to your feet? We're going to spend some time in his presence and worship and in prayer, but just in your own words right now. Maybe you just just lift up your, your hands to the Lord saying, God, I surrender to you. As a child would look to their father saying, I need you. I desire for you. Would you just say that, Lord? I, I, I desire you. I want you more than anything else in my life. You are that treasure. May nothing come close to you. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. We surrender to you. Nothing is is off limits. Not our children, not our spouse, not our possessions. It all belongs to you. Help us, oh Lord. We worship you. We love you. Come on, let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Let's demonstrate our honor and our worship to him. We surrender to you. We love you. We worship you, Jesus.